You're listening to Marist Connections, a podcast produced by the Marist Alumni Office, highlighting members of the Marist family, including our alumni, students, faculty, staff, coaches, and many more. I'm Amanda Benton, Assistant Director of Alumni Relations at Marist and a graduate from the class of 2011. For the sixth season of Marist Connections, we're bringing you stories of alumni athletes. Today, we're talking with Amanda Amorosa, who plays water polo for Rathimno on the island of Crete in Greece, and Chris Vidal, the water polo coach. Welcome, guys. Amanda grew up in Montreal, Canada, and started playing water polo at the age of 14. In 2011, she made the junior national Canadian team and participated in the junior world championship in Trieste, Italy. She played in Marist College from 2013 through 2017. After college, Amanda went to Lille, France to play professionally for two years. While there, she partook in the European World Championship Tournament and won the French Championship both years. In 2019, she centralized to Montreal, Canada with the Canadian national team in preparation for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. That year extended into two years due to the pandemic. Now she is playing professionally in Greece for the club of Rathimno. Welcome, Amanda. And then Chris has been the head coach of the Marist water polo team since 2016. Prior to Marist, he coached at Greenwich High School, where he led the team to the Connecticut State Championship, the New York Athletic Club, where he coached 10 current or former Olympians, and coached at Iona College. He played water polo for Iona before joining the Trinidad and Tobago national team and helped them earn bronze at the Central American and Caribbean Games in 2009. Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, I'm actually going to start with Chris, I know a lot of people may not be super familiar with the sport of water polo. Before we dive in, can you kind of give us the Sparks Notes version of the sport? I would say we are basketball, hockey, soccer, all tied into one game with a 10-foot floating goal in the water. Um, you have six people in the field, so six athletes in the field and one person in net. Uh, the net is 10 feet wide by four feet high. Um, and then the whole point is you kind of want to get the ball to your team's uh, Shaquille O'Neal or in this day and age, Joel Embiid, but nobody plays the big man in basketball anymore. They're all point guards. But um, your whole point is to get the ball to Shaquille O'Neal and then Shaquille O'Neal would make a post-up move similar to basketball. Um, we call those set moves. He's your two meter center and he would make a strong move to the cage and uh, kind of similar to basketball, you have step outs, layouts, and those things go into your shot and your selection. And similar to basketball, um, as you throw the ball into the inside to the big person, your defense will collapse on that person, allowing your outside shooters, your Steph Curry's, your Clay Thompson's, your, you know, your uh, James Harden's um, step up. Oh, and the Amanda Omarosa's uh, of the game step <laughs> into that space and uh, catch and, and, and shoot and finish those shots from the outside. Um, and then just little details where it comes to like soccer and hockey. Um, it's all about who has the inside position. So if you have the in, inside position with the ball in your hand and say somebody hits you from behind, um, in soccer, you might get a free kick or a penalty. We would get a kick out or a penalty. And then um, the kick out's kind of similar to hockey where they have their power plays. We have our power plays are not two minutes long. Ours are just 30, uh, I'm sorry, 20 seconds long. And then you just play everything out from there. But uh, Sparks notes, I would say that's how it goes. Um, there's only, uh, as you score, it's one goal per, uh, one per one, one goal per score you have. Um, it's four eight minute quarters. And then after that, you have a winner um, internationally. 
it goes into a shootout if it's tie uh collegiate and down it goes to um two three minute overtime periods and then golden goal first to score wins awesome thank you no that's a really clear explanation it always looks exhausting anytime i've ever seen anyone play water polo so <laughs> i have to give kudos to the athletes who do that um so amanda you started around age 14 i think so can you yeah. talk about how you got started with water polo how you found it yeah so in uh in montreal that's where i'm from uh we have these like community pools growing up in the summertime so uh and they're all around like where i live in the west island of montreal and in the east end and anyway uh they're all over montreal and for the summertime you can play water polo uh, swim competitively dive and uh do synchro and you can do all four in one summer if you like uh uh, yeah, and that's just the way that we all get into our aquatic sports, uh, aquatic sports, really. So um, I was a part of a, a, an outdoor pool for years. I did swimming uh, in the summer program, and then I took on swimming uh, after that competitively for four years. And then um, at the same time as I was swimming, I was playing basketball. So I did like team sports, and I also then I did individual sports and swimming. And after four years of it, I didn't really like swimming as much. Um, and I, I was missing something, but I wasn't sure. My mom's like favorite story of me is when I was uh, swimming, I was telling my mom, like, I don't love it. I want to change something. And my brother and sister who both play competitively and love their, their sports, I was like, they found their sport. Like I haven't found mine. And anyway, then that next summer I tried water polo for the first time and I absolutely loved it. It was like a combination of swimming and water polo uh, and basketball. So, and it was different than anything in my family. So I loved it. And I joined that, uh, that, that, uh, winter. And then, yeah, I've been playing ever since I played basketball and water polo at the same time for like for years until I was maybe 18. So, so like four years I played like that. Yeah. I played both. And then, uh, yeah. And then I committed to water polo. Yeah. So that's hard. They're both winter sports. <laughs> yeah. It was hard balancing them. Like, I think I remember one time I had to make a, a tough decision of like which tournament to go to, but other than that, like I would just run from practice to practice. Really. I could not do that now, but yeah. back then young you're not a good basketball player. It's pretty simple. Um, no, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> I can pick it up just right now if you want. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty sure I beat you at a uh, shooting contest. That's definitely not true. Mark it in, mark this down. I beat him. Remember, and then we got practice off because of it. Don't Thank forget you. that, Chris. That did happen. That did happen. <laughs> oh man, he let you bet practice over a shootout. That's okay, great. no, he didn't let me. I beat him. I, <laughs> no, I like how that sounds. I did let you win. <laughs> no, you did not. Goods. We had the whole team there and it was on me. If we got, if I won, then we'd have that practice off. And it was like a horrible swim set day, I remember. And we got a, we got a lecture instead. I remember oh, that. Good, good, a lecture. Uh, so how did you end up at Marist from Montreal? Um, so, uh, where did I, I was, it was after I played on the junior team when I was looking for schools. Um, I'm a really big homebody or back then I really was. And, uh, so I knew I wanted to go to school near home. And uh, so I was looking at some California schools. And so at, uh, with my club team at, at home, we had come to Maris a couple times to play. So we had uh, a coach at the time, Ashley had known who I was. And then she started speaking to me and uh, I had committed to her actually. And then 
her life, I guess, changed and the, the, she went to coach at Hartwick and we got Natalie Benson. Um, and yeah, so then that's how I ended up at Marist and I stayed on with her and then got this guy after. <laughs> but yeah, that's so, how I figured it was close. It was close to home. The program, like I knew we, our, our competition schedule was really difficult. Uh, we got to go, we traveled to California a couple of times and, uh, yeah, so I knew that was, it was a good environment for me. And I, I liked the smaller school idea at the time and yeah, I was close to home. So my family was able to come a lot and yeah. Awesome. So Chris, I know you weren't part of recruiting Amanda, but water polo tends to bring in a lot of students from outside the tri-state area. How does that recruitment work? Like, how do you find students and bring them in? Um, how do I bring these kids in these days? I mean, you kind of, you kind of just meet them where they're at. And right now it's on their cell phones and Instagram and all that stuff. So I think a big part of it is just when you're on trips and traveling, you just have to be as active and annoying as you can be on Instagram. So having the team do takeovers and all of those things that I want no part of, um, <laughs> getting them to do those things so this generation can really buy in and see what a like life looks like um, on their phones. And then from there, it's just going to um, showcases, tournaments. And, and then my, my big pitch is usually you can have a lot of big school activities at a small mid-major school while you know, being a name, not a number in the classroom, um, studying the degree that you want. New York City is so close, so you can have internships and, and just all those things. So I, I really try and paint that picture. But I think the big thing for us is that kids uh, understand that California, because a lot of my athletes come from California. Um, we have, currently we have two Canadians, two New Zealands, New Zealanders, uh, two from Texas, two from Pennsylvania, and then the rest from Canada. So I'm in mean Canada, from California. Um, ah, you're in my head, Amanda, get out of it. Um, so uh, so there's a big piece of it, is just letting them all know, like, you know, home will always be there and coming out for a new experience. And then when they look at our schedule, they see that they end up in California come springtime around three to four times in the year. So they can see their family and they can see them play. Um, but then I think they're also excited that we compete against Brown and Harvard and Princeton. So they get to see the Northeast and travel a bit um, and just the other schools that surround us in the Northeast. So I, I think just having a bit of all of that demographic things for them to do and they're in, you know, they're traveling on an airplane, on a bus, doing their homework in the hotel, like that, like, this is what it feels like to be a division one athlete. This is what you see on TV. And then you're like, this isn't that cool because I have to study and play games. Um, but hindsight's 2020, but still um, just getting them to just buy into that, that culture and that, that, you know, just what we provide, I think it's fun for them. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. So I know we've had a number of students go on to play professionally or either internationally or in the U.S. after graduation. Amanda, how do you go about starting that process? Is that something that you had to apply for? And when did you have to make the decision? The way I got to France was actually through Chris. Chris had a good um, uh, relationship with a coach in France. And uh, yeah, so he was really the one who put me in contact with him. And uh, I actually had a teammate, a, a Canadian teammate, who's actually my teammate now here, <laughs> who uh, was in France as well. So she was able to give me like, um, to tell me what it was like there at the time and uh, all that stuff. But it wasn't an application. You really just get in contact with the coaches, whether it be them hearing about you through like another coach of yours or you emailing them to let them know who you are. Um, 
and yeah, and then to make a decision, they, you go back and forth talking about like what your needs and et cetera. And then uh, they usually tell you when they need an answer by, and they're, they're all different because all like in all the different countries, they start at different times. So in France, I had to be there. Oh God, like September, I feel like I had to be there. Yeah. And then for here, well, September, my first year, I want to say like October, my second year. And then for here, I had, I was only here in November and that the season only started in November. So, and I remember my first year in France, like our season only didn't only start until like January. It was crazy. So we just trained, uh, yeah, something like that. And maybe December, but, uh, yeah. So just the, the teams want certain things and some people, some teams want you there right from the beginning. Some, some of them want you when you can, it depends on the team and the country. So are you doing a lot of traveling back and forth? Do you only stay in Greece for the season? Um, so in France, my first year, I stayed from September until June. I didn't go home at all. Um, and then through the season, we traveled when we had games within France. And we also went to European championships. So we went to uh, Hungary and Italy, I believe. And then my second year... I think Greece we went to and maybe Italy again, but uh, yeah, so that for European championships, we really traveled outside of, um, of France and then you travel within France for that. And then Greece, uh, we weren't in the European championship, so we traveled really around Greece. So I'm on an island, so we have to take like a ferry to Athens whenever we do. Well, not every time, sometimes we fly, but uh, yeah, so that's mostly the travel that's out here. And while you're in season, what is an average day or week, if that makes more sense, like? Like, how often do you guys have practices? Do you try to keep other jobs on the side? Or what is, how much of a commitment are you looking at? Don't, don't um, leave the coffee time out. Oh, yes. Okay, so <laughs> different, different countries. Um, and for both, for both France and Greece, it's been two times a day at least, uh, like a couple, okay, let's say, let's say it's a six day week we'll probably do two a days uh four to five times a week of water and then one to two times it'd be one practice one practice a day and then some of the days you also have gym as well so sometimes okay let's just say here monday i go gym water right away and then i have a long break for my big coffee dates and then uh then we have practice again at night so that's usually how the days go. In France, our, our practices were closer together. So the time in between was a little shorter. Uh, here, the time in between practices are really big. So um, yeah, you have a lot of free time. Uh, I haven't worked at the same time, but I know people that have like worked online. And I know my teammates in France and here, they have their own, they have jobs or they're in school. Um, my roommate, she's in school. So she was doing online school at the same time. So it is, it is possible to balance it. It's much easier to balance these things after college too, considering you have to balance a full course load and practice. So college kind of prepares you for that. And I remember my first year in France, like I didn't know what to do with all that time. Now we figured it out, but um, yeah. So you have you have the time more than you would think if you wanted to do those things. Like take classes awesome. or work. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite thing about either France or Crete of uh, just living there? Uh, either one. Okay, in France, all my teammates, all my friends, they know I'm obsessed with croissants. I would eat like many a day and it was embarrassing, but it's fine. A, a um, croissant? A croissant. A croissant? What do you call them, Chris? <laughs> You're American, man. I know how to say it. 
anyway so uh that and uh where i lived in france it was like a it was in like the middle of the city like the city city center so i was able to walk around everywhere again a lot of cafes a lot of like uh things to do so that was fun and i was like an hour away from paris so i was able to like just like hop on a bus and like drive over to paris and it was that was an unreal experience for me um and then greece um i'm on an island so it's beautiful especially right now it's starting to become summertime um and I'm also like near the city, the old town. So it's really like what you see as Greece and like the the small like alleyways and all the stores and that. And so that's amazing. I also love the people here. They're so unbelievably nice and like um, like welcoming and giving. And so uh, I love that kind of experience here. Um, but yeah, food, food's always a winner. Baklava, I can't get enough of it. Um, <laughs> what are you shaking your head for, Chris? <laughs> really it's, you don't know come over oh. here and you'll see <laughs> oh i know the, the magic of the phyllo dough oh I oh, oh magic um but yeah i'd say those are my my the things i mean other than like the playing and the just being in a different place completely different than canada and the united states uh, yeah. learning different cultures too sometimes i i take it for granted like uh, there are days that are like really tough being abroad and like you miss home a lot and then you have to like really like ground yourself and realize like wow like i'm in i'm in france i'm in greece i'm in italy like it's a com i'm learning a completely different culture and how they live and stuff so it's it, it's amazing i highly recommend whoever wants to who are capable of going to play abroad it's uh it's awesome so speaking of playing do you have either a favorite moment from your career thus far or something you're really proud of that was i i was talking to my roommate about this before and i was like it's hard because like my well, memory that pops up in my head is like when i was in club and like the moment when i realized like i could be good enough to keep playing and that's really the moment that sticks out to me a lot other than like going to play abroad and like being able to do what i do now um so yeah when i was in playing in club i must have been 17 or 18 and uh we had like our club championships and i was playing on like the higher the u22 team and i remember i made the all-star team for the first time and that was and i was young so i was so happy and there's like this picture of me and i'm young and i'm so happy that i made that team uh and we had won that club championship too and then that same year we had my age level club championships and it was a really hard final and we won. And then I got MVP of that tournament. And uh, so that was like kind of the moment where I was, and then that's when also people started, the coaches started talking to me about playing on junior teams and like Canadian junior teams and stuff. So that was like kind of the moment where I was like, okay, I could keep playing this. I don't, and that's where like the decision had to be made about basketball and water polo and stuff. So that that's kind of like a memory that sticks out to me a lot on top of like again going to play abroad and uh playing all over the united states and stuff so um that was probably my one of my fondest and proud i think <laughs> yeah absolutely for sure um so thinking into the future is there anything you still hope to accomplish in terms of water polo or i guess just life in general um like what are you hoping to do over the next like five ten years maybe uh well, right now I'm, I, my plan is to continue playing. Uh, I'm hoping to go to the 2024 Olympics with the Canadian team. So uh, play abroad again for the next couple of years and then uh, centralize again with the Canadian team. So that's 
the next couple years. Uh, then after that, uh, I don't know if my body's still holding up. You never know. Maybe we'll keep going. If not, then I hope to uh, like find a career. I have a degree from Marist of uh, psychology and special education. So I have a um, teaching degree. So I've always said I was going to become a teacher and stuff, but who knows once I'm out back in real life, if that's what I want to do. But I always loved uh, kids and I had a great experience of like student teaching at Marist and stuff. So <laughs> that's a really good transition because my next question was going to be do you have any favorite memories from Marist uh, oh, I mean, it can be water polo specific but it doesn't have to be <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that, you know you're going to say it grilled cheese every day <laughs> grilled cheese and fries I am very consistent on the things that I like croissants in France grilled cheese in, in New York um my favorite those calf those calf days after practice were so much fun uh like with natalie we did it and with chris came a lot as well and it was just those were a lot of fun um but my probably one of my favorite memories would have to be it would have to be a courtney fisher moment i don't know if amanda you know about courtney fisher she was an ex-teammate of ours who passed away unfortunately after her freshman year in a, a terrible car accident but uh, i was uh, lucky enough to play with her my freshman year i uh, know her freshman year my scene uh my junior year and uh, I remember we were in uh, like we call it Hell Week, but uh, and Hell Week, and so it's just it's the week after Christmas, after your Christmas holidays, and they're just the trainings are brutal. They're like four hours long, and oh, we're all exhausted and hungry all the time and grumpy. And I remember we were on deck eating like in our bathing suits. Like it was the end of the week. We're all exhausted, and uh, Courtney, um, bless her heart, like found some way to like make a positive. Uh, like moment out of that we were all dead we didn't want to talk to anybody and she played like a song that she loved and she like danced in front of us and it was just such like a goofy moment and it brought us all like made us all happy and stuff and laugh together and um yeah that, that's one of my my favorite memories um of Marist and I remember it all the time so yeah that's my memory yeah no, I was that's playing like with that's really special. Um, I think it's always when we talk to people as we do these like interviews with different alums, it's always the people, you know, it's always like, mm -hmm. oh, there's always. one random moment of either on the green or down at the waterfront or at a practice where someone said something or we all did something. And I think that's like yeah. really that that's always yeah. people's thing. Yeah. I also like I'm just saying this because Chris is here and I have to, but um <laughs> no, I, I love my time my senior year with Chris. Like he was even like during hell week that the basketball thing we're talking about it was during our hell week and like he was able to bring light to like moments of like us being in a bad mood or something like that and he would like make these little competitions and stuff to like put us in a good mood so yeah it is always the people and my teammates and um so yeah those are kind of my favorite memories and same thing with my friends like my non-water pool friends and chris i'm gonna switch over to you for a second um how is the team doing this year i know you have championships coming up yeah, we actually have championships uh, this weekend. So that'd be tomorrow. We play Long Island University of Brooklyn. We play them tomorrow um, in a semi. Our conference only brings in the top four teams. So we play them in a semi. And then if you win that, you go to the finals. And then we play the winner, uh, knock on something here. Uh, we play the winner of Wagner versus LaSalle. And so um, the winner of that is an automatic bid to the NCAA championship. So uh, this year, the championship is being held in uh, Michigan and Ann Arbor. So um, that's what we're looking to do. That's where we're looking to go. Uh, team is 
you know, been playing well, clicking at the right time. So hopefully we can just carry this momentum on into this weekend and keep it moving. Can I ask another question? How Who sets your schedule up? Who do you guys get to play? Is that set by like the NCAA or do you guys have some flexibility in figuring out what schools you want to go up against? So the conference is set up by um, like whoever sponsors it. So the MAC has uh, Iona, Siena, and Marist are true MAC schools. And then we have six other associate members. So we have VMI, Villanova, LaSalle, Wagner, Long Island University, and St. Francis, Brooklyn. Um, and that, that makes up our conference. Um, outside of conference play, the MAC will make that conference for uh, there our schedule for us with that. Everything before conference play is done by the coach. So we decide with budgetary and everything else who we can play, who we want to play, what tournament we're going to, and so on and so on. Awesome, thanks. Because I, you know, someone mentioned Michigan. You mentioned California earlier, and I was like, oh, like they have a really interesting schedule. And I know, like basketball travels a bit too, but water polo, like, really seems to have a cool schedule. Yeah, no, we we, we the the before COVID, I used to, uh, uh, gets upset by this because after she graduated, I was like taking the team to Hawaii, and she's like, you're going to Hawaii. I was like, absolutely. And France, they brought yeah. you brought them to France, like. So, so I've, I've had the team in Hawaii every January uh, before COVID after my second year or after my first year. Um, and it's just like a nice little retreat for us to go do stuff and hang out and beach and play high level. So it's been fun. But the, uh, the, 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 alum, the alumnus uh, are not too happy about it. No. And also just like you're talking about the water polo schedule, my sister and my brother, they both play. My sister played basketball in, in the NCAA and my brother played hockey. And they're both so jealous of water polo schedule. Like they are, like stay in the East Coast all the time. So we're really lucky. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. And um, Chris's girls are even luckier. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have to start thinking of even cooler places to take them, like New Zealand, maybe. Uh, no, 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 no. You're cool I, enough, Chris. You, I, you I, I just got an invite to go to, um, <laughs> I won't even say it. <laughs> Is it Australia? Just looking at your face right now, you are not happy. <laughs> Whatever, I'm playing on an island, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think you can complain about Crete. It's beautiful. Um, so I think that was all of my questions for you guys. Is there anything else that you want anyone to know about water polo or your individual experiences? Hardest sport, best sport in the world. Yeah. How can alumni who are interested like follow along? I know you mentioned Instagram earlier, but are there other places where they can see what's happening? Uh, Instagram for sure, or at least our team Instagram, and then any most like most of the like NCAA water polo feeds out there, you'll find something going on. Thank you to both of you for taking time out of your schedule for us. For those listening, we hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our series highlighting Red Fox athletes. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can keep in touch and know every time we post a new episode of Myers Connections. We will continue to bring you conversations with alumni as well as students, faculty, and staff, and others essential to the Myers community. If you have suggestions for future podcast themes or guests, please email maristalumni at maris.edu. Thank you once again to Chris and Amanda for joining me, and have a great day, everyone. <laughs>